Kura, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. You're listening to Alcoholics Anonymous Meeting on Air. My name is Dan, and I'm an alcoholic. You can all say hi, Dan, if you want to. Hi, Dan. Hi, everyone. All right, well, let's, uh, let's start this meeting as we do with all AA meetings with the serenity prayer. So if you'd all like to join me, God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Fantastic. Okay, I'll read the AA preamble now. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. And in the studio today, very excited to have the Plimerton group. It's the Plimerton, is it Third Step Breakfast? Is that what it's called? Yes. And it's on at 8.30 on a Saturday morning. So for a lot of them, they would have just finished the meeting about half an hour ago. So very exciting to have some Plimerton representatives in the meeting today. All right, well, let's... um, Let's start with some sharing then. So, Olga, would you like to share? <coughs> yes, thanks, Dan. Uh, hi, my name is Olga and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, hi Olga. Um, hi, so, yeah, thanks for having us here. And, uh, yeah, I was just sitting here thinking of what to share and thought, well, you know, it's usually very important to share at the very beginning um, so that people can identify um, should they need to and talk about, um, you know, how, how it all starts for us and I guess how we then um, <clears throat> end up in an AA meeting on air. Um, so um, I guess I started when I was about 13. I was the usual sort of teenagers experimenting with drinking. And <clears throat> looking back at it now, I realized that I was completely different to everyone else. So like people would sort of have a, a few drinks, feel a bit nauseous and stop. And I just wasn't like that. I drank faster than people and I just didn't seem to know where to stop. And it, it, it just carried on. And then the terrible thing is, is that a lot of people, when you do that, you don't actually realize that other people don't drink the same way and it doesn't affect them the same way. And I guess the difference for me was I always seemed to get into more trouble than anybody else. It affected me more than anybody else. And I just didn't see the signs because I thought other people who weren't getting into trouble were just boring. And that's the sad thing is that I carried that through like most of my life thinking, oh, somebody doesn't want to drink on a Tuesday night until three in the morning. They're just boring, you know, and I seriously believe that that's how warped, you know, the thinking was and. Yeah, but, you know, when you're a teenager and you don't have much money, it's all fine. But then you s- sort of start university and work and things like that. And you're a bit more independent um, financially, etc. And then you start kind of completely going off the uh, um, tracks. And that that kind of happened for me. Um, I didn't really 
drink every day or anything like that. But when I did, it was just like to the absolute, <laughs> like I just couldn't stop. And that had bad effects on general like uh, uh, work and life. And I couldn't really focus on anything else, I guess. And it was always about, you know, when's the next party happening kind of thing. And there was no, I guess, progress like emotionally, you know, developing as an adult since the age of basically 13. Um, and then when you actually come out of that, which I did when I was only 31, um, so it took a while to, you know, get there. And I just realized I'm still kind of 13. And it's very sad. Like, that really be, it beats you down, you know. You just, you don't develop at all. You're like in a vicious circle of this crap of, you know, getting drunk and then apologizing to people to thing, uh, for things you don't even remember. And, 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 and all this time, I also thought that, you know, if I don't remember it, it wasn't my fault. I mean, what kind of thinking is that? <laughs> Whose fault is it? You know, it's just, it's bizarre. But that's what the thinking is like. Um, so for people who don't quite understand the alcoholic mind, it's never our fault. It's something else. Mm -hmm. um, the, the world is out to get me. Uh, people are against me. Uh, this is unfair. That is unfair. Okay. Poor me. And now that I compare, you know, my childhood to a lot of people's, I think, holy crap, you know, I, I took my parents for granted. I had no idea, you know, how other people live and what other parents are like and stuff. And my parents were amazing. And I just, I just couldn't see it. Eh? It's just something that that that's the, the the type of thinking we have is to constantly be very self-centered and although we have low self-esteem it's always about us and it, it takes a while to get out of that thinking so i guess for me i sort of hit my rock bottom and got in trouble for uh, various legal reasons and then kind of finally started seeing that maybe I am the problem and maybe that problem is drinking, which I've always avoided. Um, and then I got into a meeting because I knew about AA. I did the questionnaire online. Every single answer to the questions was a yes, um, but I proceeded <laughs> to ignore it. Like, what the hell does a website know, Nobody. right? <laughs> um, and yeah, I just ended up being in a meeting and I had this fake name and I thought, oh, you know, I just don't know what to expect. And then when I went there and I heard other people share and I just identified immediately, regardless of how often they drank or who they were or how old they were or anything. And it was like a room full of people exactly like me. Um, and then I started realizing the differences between me and us as a group and people who are in the respective addiction normal. And that was a massive realization for me. And that really, really started, like, knowing where the norm is at was very important for me. And I, then you do the fake it till you make it. Then you pretend to be normal until you actually, actually start behaving like a normal person. And don't drink until 3 in the morning on a Tuesday. So my life changed so dramatically. And I now have a family. And I am able to have normal relationships with people. And I started appreciating people around me and not making it about me the whole time. I'm still kind of like that, but I try to work on it, you know. So, you know, there's there's progress. It's progress, not perfection in this program. So I'll probably shut up now and hand it over to somebody else. But, uh, yeah, th it's important to um, realize uh, these things and be very grateful for what we have. So thank you very much for letting me share. Thanks, Olga. Thanks, Olga. Okay, this is uh, Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM. 
and this is Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. Now, we've got a website. AA has a website. The website in New Zealand is aa.org.nz. It's a very good place to get all sorts of information about AA. And from going onto that site, you can see there's a big button on there. It says, I need help. And if you click on that, <laughs> it gives you some options. I need to find a meeting. I need to talk now. And it's got a phone number there. And I need some information. So the phone number is 0800 229 That's a good way to get in touch with someone from AA in your local area and they can just give you information and advice about AA and help you find a meeting, although the even easier way to find a meeting is actually from the, from the website, which is there's an option there, AA meetings and there's open closed meetings, online meetings and on-air meetings as well. So there's many ways to, different, to, find, to find a meeting. Very much like this one here. On, um, yeah, so on-air meetings is actually takes you to a big long list of these meetings. So if you want to listen to these um, when they're not live, you may have already been doing that. So yeah, so from the from the aa.org.nz website, AA meetings and then on-air meetings. All right, well let's let's kick on with the um, with the live sharing then. So Nolene, would you like to share? Thanks very much, Dan. Hi friends, I'm Nolene, I'm alcoholic. Hi there, sober today by the grace of God and uh, lovely to be sitting in this lovely, warm, intimate studio environment for an AA meeting. Um, Just to identify if there's anybody out there who is wondering whether they're alcoholic or not. Um, I too like, Olga will talk a bit about the first, you know, my early days. So um, like Olga, I was brought up in a family um, that were absolutely lovely, you know, a, a gorgeous, loving, safe environment. My mum and dad were both teetotal, so I had absolutely no idea what alcohol did to anybody, anybody at all. But what I was in that family, and to mention actually I'm an adopted child, my mum and dad were Scottish and English and they adopted me from birth, but um, what I always remember, and particularly when I started working the steps, was I was a wee kiddie that always felt terribly uncomfortable in my own skin. I never felt like I measured up, you know, I wasn't tall enough, I wasn't blonde enough, I've got dark hair and I'm Māori for God's sake, you know, I, was, I, I would, you know, I never felt like I, I was sort of in rhythm with other people or was good enough to participate in life. It's a very uncomfortable place to be. Um, and my, my darling partner who passed away a few years ago uh, used to call that um, self-esteem below carpet level. Uh, many alcoholics experience that. Not all. I've met some in AO that never felt the less than, as we often call it, but I was not one of those. Uh, um, at 17, also to, to mention, um, social occasions used to fill me with dread. Because I never really knew what you said after you said hello. I had no idea. You know, I'm a social retard still to this day. So social um, occasions used to fill me with dread and I hated going to them, absolutely hated going to them. But on, when I was 17 years old, I was at a college party. It was a huge big event. And in those days in New Zealand, I can't believe they do it because they don't now, they served alcohol at this large college function. Um, you know, one of the young men I went to school with and grew up with said, oh, my God, you're always so tense, Nolene. He was right. He said, drink this. And he had me a Bacardi and Coke. That was the first drink I ever had, 17-year-old in the planet. And what happened for me was I drank alcoholically from the get-go. From that first drink, the compulsion, the mental obsession and the compulsion to drink was triggered. I could not stop. I drank into blackout. 
sadly, before I went into blackout, um, my behaviours changed. You know, before I drank, you could hardly get me to say boo. I was so introverted. Um, and when you filled me with booze, you really couldn't shut me up. You know, I was 17 years old, a seething mass of two-legged resentment and anger at the world for the things I could never share with people, and the booze took the lid off that. It triggered my mouth, and, uh, you know, I am a vitriolic, vicious drunk, um, and I spewed that resentment and hate out at the entire world. You know, not a good look. I told the um, everybody I grew up with, the prefects, the headmistress, and the headmaster at my college, what a pack of fuckwits I thought they all were. <clears throat> you know, not a good look. I was a prefect too. <laughs> Definitely not a good look. And, uh, you know, <laughs> behaviours got appalling. I fell into a blackout in the corner, and my best friend rang my, my dad and said, you better come and get Noling, which he did. I didn't remember any of that. And I came out of the blackout in the bath with my mother washing vomit off me, darling, saying you should never drink. Now, that was my first experience with alcohol. I remember quite clearly my darling mum said to me, oh, sweetheart, you should never drink. And my head, then filled with alcohol for the first time on the planet, said, you silly old twit, what would you know? You've never drunk anyway, because mum didn't drink. She was a Christian and she'd chosen never to, to um, have alcohol. You know, So the arrogance of the alcoholic was already there and triggered. Um, what I chased for the next years of 20 years in boozing and losing was that feeling I had, uh, the freedom when the booze hit my system and, and the fact that it seemed to open me up and I could communicate, sadly, negatively, but I could communicate. I chased that for 20 years. <clears throat> I often call it 20 years of boozing and losing um, and the things that I learnt on that journey didn't come to fruition as with Olga until I got into AA. I didn't believe I was alcoholic. I just thought I was a party girl because on the surface I had many successes with life, you know, professionally and God dare I say even relationships. Well, that was hostages. I won't call them partners. Why well, dignify them with that? The hostages I took through the years that ended up in my life, the poor bastards, stayed for ages. I mean, why would you stay with an alcoholic? You know, it, defy, it mystifies me. I wouldn't nowadays ever. Um, and so on the surface, my life looked okay, but it really wasn't. You know, it really wasn't. This is a progressive disease. And over 20 years, uh, this disease progressed in me. I eventually fell into, well, I was being pushed into detoxes and rehabs in Sydney where I got eventually got sober. I don't say I got sober anymore because I don't believe I got me sober. I believe the programme of AA, my AA tribe and God got me sober. Um, my alcoholism had progressed to such a level that I was in chronic alcoholism. I would wake in the morning and I'd reach for booze. If I couldn't reach booze, I'd try and plan efficient ways to kill myself. You know, that level of black despair that, in my opinion, only an alcoholic can understand defies description. And I never want to forget that that was the state I was in at the end of my drinking. So I'm a chronic alcoholic. I came into AA in Sydney, hating everybody, absolutely hating the older sober members that would stand at the front of the room and talk about being joyous, happy and free. I just wanted to punch their bloody teeth down their throat. I so loathed them because I was trapped in misery of alcoholism and I was lost and isolated and I had no idea what to do. Um, I didn't believe I was alcoholic still. I was in Alcoholics Anonymous and God, there was a G-O-D word up on the walls. Oh, I just wanted to scream because God equated religion to me, which I didn't want to have any part of. I so wish someone had sent me a quote that a mate sent me a couple of months ago that I adored because I 
I grappled with the idea that alcoholism was a disease. I thought it was a cop-out, actually. But this quote is Irene Tomkinson's quote, and I adore it. It says, alcoholism is a disease because, it's prog- because it fits the definition of a disease. It is chronic and progressive, and left untreated will kill. And in my opinion, as a chronic alcoholic woman, I was pretty near death. I actually believe that if I'd continued to drink, I would have died. I was pretty near it. Um, and there I was in that negative attitude and AA hating everybody. The oldest sober members in Sydney absolutely loved me back to life when I was at my most unlovable as a damaged human being an alcoholic. They pushed me into the centre of AA, into service, into the steps, and they gave me an opportunity to get wellish. I say wellish because <laughs> on any given day I can still be batshit crazy. Um, on the 21st of June 1991... The God I had no faith in reached through that pain and suffering of alcoholism and he, she, it removed the compulsion to drink from me. That compulsion has never returned and for a chronic alcoholic of my type, that journey is miraculous, you know. What happened for me in AA and the journey since I've been sober for over 30 years has been marvellous. The solution to alcoholism through the steps it's just mind-boggling, you know. I often say magical, mystical, miraculous, and so I'm deeply grateful to be sober. Thanks very much. Thanks, Thanks Nolene. Nolene. <coughs> I didn't think you were going to finish there. So. <laughs> um, yeah, you're um, listening to Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM, and this is Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. We've got the, the, the Plimerton Third Step Breakfast meeting in the studio today. And... Uh, yeah, to sort of give us a bit of a plug for our Facebook page in terms of AA on Air Wellington. So um, it's a, we think it's a good idea to have an online presence, so we've got that. And it's actually good to have people listening uh, post every now and again because sometimes the people that we're broadcasting to aren't in Wellington and sometimes aren't even in New Zealand. And every so often we get a message from someone who's from far away, overseas, and every so often we might read that message out on air. And obviously we always protect the anonymity of the people that are posting. We don't uh, broadcast full names or anything like that because um, you know, people that like the page or people that comment on the page may or may not even be alcoholics. In fact, I know some of them that, are, that do like the page who aren't alcoholics. So there you go. All right, well, let's... Um, Let's keep with the um, the sharing then. So, Lynn, would you like to share? Kia ora, um, atamari. Uh, my name is Linda. I go by the name of Lynn, and I'm an alcoholic. Kia ora. Um, I'm one of these um, wonderful alcoholic women who sprouted late in life. Although I do believe that. I have had a problem. I'm, I, I'm an alcoholic, and I think I was born an alcoholic. From the first time I ever got drunk, and my first experience was at 11 or 12 at a very close friend's wedding with my mum and dad and my family, and I was the runner to the bar to bring back the drinks for mum and dad, and there were fluffy ducks and whatnot, God knows what they were. What I did do was I sipped, I took a little sip out of each glass as I ran up at the age of 11 or 12 
to get the drinks and bring them back to mum and dad. Needless to say, by the end of the night, I was absolutely shit-faced. <laughs> my mother was disgusted. My dad sat me on his knee and kept bouncing the knees to try and keep me awake. Um, I, I don't know what it did to me, but I chased that feeling. I chased that feeling forever. And I'm not someone who has been ever able to handle alcohol. Um, I was drink, take the first drink, drink the rest as fast as you can, and write yourself off. I was a runner. I used to run. I used to dance on tables. I used to, oh, God, I was a ugly. I was a mess. Um, I wasn't an everyday drinker. I was a binge drinker. And because we were encouraged, we had a wonderful childhood too. Uh, no money, but everything money couldn't buy. And uh, wonderful parents that... Um, brought us up with really decent values um, and one of the biggest and most important things in our life was the family um, and I'm so, so grateful to my parents because the AA family um, and my family are the ones that have loved me back to life since I came to AA. Um, I didn't want to come, I come kicking and bloody screaming um, I was a sports person. We all played a lot of sport. So you didn't drink before big matches. And, um, well, we didn't then. But, my God, you made up for it the night after the sporting match. And if you were lucky enough not to be in rep teams, you made up for it for you really hit it. So um, it's not a sexy story. It's, it's an ugly story. And what I can say about alcohol is that it started to rot me from the inside out and I became addicted to I couldn't do without it and I couldn't live with it. I am very fortunate that I have um, a husband who has stuck by me through thick and thin, um, who's picked me up more than once, <laughs> who's carried me, who's loved me, in spite of myself and in spite of the fact that I didn't respect myself or our relationship or him enough not to drink. The one thing and the biggest thing I learnt when I came to AA is that alcoholism is a disease because for a very long time, like so many others, I blamed everybody else around me. It was my husband's fault. He didn't love me enough. He was an asshole. He was terrible. You know, no one cared about me, no one loved me, poor me, everyone should drink, everyone would drink if they had my life. I couldn't see the woods for the trees. I was a angry, aggressive, um, nasty bitch that survived, survived in my world only by drinking, because that's the only place I could go where my feelings stopped and my anger stopped. The truth was I drank as fast and as hard as I could alone in my bedroom until I blacked out. That was the solution to all my problems. And when I awoke in the morning, whether or not I wet the bed was irrelevant really because it just became the norm, um, I would look at myself in the mirror and I couldn't look at myself in the mirror anymore. 
I was an absolute rotter from the inside out. Um, with the love of my family, of my husband, of my beautiful sister, um, I went to my first AA meeting, and it was in Takapuna in Auckland, um, and I was flabbergasted because it was full of uh, white rich people uh, who who were just as gross as I was, <laughs> and who vomited on themselves and their partners, and I was absolutely shocked, and I was moved because the feelings they described it felt like someone had told them how I was feeling because they described my feelings and I I was just it scared the shit out of me so a year later as alcoholics do (laughs) I went to my next AA meeting And I was very, very careful about the place I went to because I had to be far enough away from where I physically lived because in my egotistical, arrogant world, everybody knew me. And if I went anywhere near where I lived, they would all start talking about me and say I was an alcoholic. And I wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't believe that. So I went along to this meeting and it was a group of of seven men the most eclectic group of people I would never know, never talk to, probably never socialise ever with in my life. I went with my sister and I sat in that room and I felt like I was home. It was incredible. They started talking about their experiences. They started sharing their, their feelings and I just felt everything and I left that meeting with my sister and I just cried and said my god she said you have to go to another one Lynn I said yeah there started my journey with AA um I I'm a very very grateful alcoholic uh what I have done by working through the steps by trying to live the best I can live one day at a time by using the principles of the AA program in everything that I do. I'm not rotten. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an addict. I, I am an alcoholic. I cannot drink. I can never, ever take the first drink. If I have one drink, I will not stop, and I don't think I'll ever come back. I am, at the moment, I am young in my journey. I've got a birthday coming up, and I'm really excited, and it will be three years for me. Um, one of the, the most wonderful things is that I was able to tell my mum and dad and share with them that I was an alcoholic before I so tragically lost them. And uh, my father didn't believe me. He thought I was full of shit. And mum told him that... If, if Linda says she's an alcoholic, Graham, she is. Um, so, but the thing was, they both said, we'll come to AA meetings with you, we'll support you. I've had nothing but love and support from my family. Um, in the first year of AA, I wanted to scream from the rooftop that I was an alcoholic and I'd been saved. Um, 
life's a shit sandwich and it comes back. <laughs> and yes, the days get rough. But I have uh, I have a set of principles. I have a st- I have these steps, these wonderful steps. I have a higher power that I choose to call God, and I have a higher power that has taken the compulsion away from me to drink. I no longer wish to drink. I wish only to be the best I can be, to stay sober for the rest of my life, and to help any other alcoholic who is still suffering. So um, I really sincerely appreciate the opportunity to talk today. Um, I was personally a little bit scared that people might recognise my voice. Really? I don't care. (laughs) What I care about is sobriety. What I care about is helping anybody else out there who actually needs to be loved back to life because it's a good life. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Lynn. Okay, this is uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air, <coughs> and you're tuned into Access Radio in Wellington, 106.1 FM. I mentioned a little while ago about our Facebook page, and we actually got a message last week or last month, and I'll read it out now. It says, Hi there, thank you, Dan and Victoria. So enjoyed the meeting today on air and last month. Really brought some relief to a discontented alcoholic. Lol. So the video, the, so the radio, is good for newcomers and longer timers. Thank you for the amazing sharing, Anne. So thank you, Anne, for that message. I'm not even sure where Anne is in the world, but I'm glad that someone is listening, and it's nice that they can send a message in of and just let us know that we're doing a good job in carrying the message. All right, well let's let's carry on carrying the message. Shall we, Jackie? Would you like to share? Yeah, sure, thanks for asking me to share. My name's Jackie, I'm an alcoholic. Um, my story's no different from anybody else's. I'm just another bozo on the bus, as they say. Um, I came from a good home with good attitudes, um, values. Uh, my parents were good, decent people and... There was no um, alcoholism in my family. Um, I had, I found out a great-grandfather who used to hobble down the road on his crutches on um, polling day to vote for prohibition so they'd take the filthy stuff away from him. And I have a suspect that he might have been an alcoholic. Um... (laughs) And I um, believe that I I was born an alcoholic. I think it's, it's, we don't like to think we're different from other people, but we are. Um, and I believe I'm genetically prone to alcoholism. Um, I My story is very short and sweet. I went through the letterbox at home, backing out after I'd taken a 10-ounce glass of whiskey and a big handful of Valium to go and tell my boss I had a problem. <laughs> um, and and I ended up in a detox unit um, somewhere in town and I stayed there for three weeks and they wouldn't let me out of there and they sent me straight down to a treatment centre because they thought I was too risky to be left out. I, I had no idea what was going on. 
I told my parents that they were going to put me in a place in the South Island and I probably would never be coming home again. <laughs> um, that's what it felt like. And, um, and that's where I learned about alcoholism. Um, I, I was taught about the disease and um, it was very obvious to me that I was an alcoholic because they made you fill in forms to say, did you do this, did you do that, did you do this, did you do that? And I just keep saying yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd turn around and half of them would be way back there and I'd say, you're lying sods, you know. <laughs> I know you're alcoholic. And um, I was frightened to come out um the the treatment centre was a six weeks treatment centre and I went to this doctor who I found was a rather terse sort of a person and he said, what do you want? And I said, I, 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 I don't think I'm ready to go home yet. He said, of course you're not. We couldn't inflict you upon an unsuspecting public. Um, and he said, and you'll go home when I think you're ready to go home. And I said, thank you very much, and walked out and stayed another six weeks. And, um, and when I got, got to go home... They said, we want you to do well and go to meetings and do this, that and everything because so-and-so, 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 so-and-so might come down and get treatment. They knew all the alcoholics out in the community. Um, I probably drank with most of them and I was so surprised that they knew them and were waiting for them (laughs) to give them help. But I... I went to AA and I was a young woman and um, they were all older men um, and they all smoked in the room. You couldn't see them across the room. It was... I smoked as well and um, and they were damaged men, I have to say. Um, some of them had been in prison camps during the war and and um, rear gunners and planes and, uh, you know, they weren't quite the full quid and um, they terrified me, a lot of them. And they would say, right, you, outside now, you know, and I'd run into the toilet and hide till it was all over. And, and I came out and I used to think, this is worse in the day room of a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> I, I'm not going to make it here. Um, but I had nowhere else to go. I knew I was an alcoholic. I knew I needed treatment. Um, and I went for two years to one meeting. And um, it was always the same. And a little man in my group said to me, you've been trying so hard for so long have you ever considered doing what you were told? And I said, no, I haven't, but um, if you tell me to do it, I'll do it. And <laughs> and I think within those two years I'd learnt to trust people a little bit. Um, 
And he told me what to do, and I did it, and I started to get well. And that was, I got a sponsor, I got a home group, I went to other groups um, in Wellington, I met other young people, I I started to realise that I wasn't the dog I was. Um, Talk about, um, you know... uh, self-esteem lower than carpet level, that was me. And um, I had terrible thoughts about other people. And my favourite saying in my head was, when the revolution happens and I'm in power, these people will be eliminated from the face of the earth. (laughs) You know, I was not a nice person inside. And... um, it quietly went away gently over time and I'm 43 years sober this year and I have never had such a good life. I've travelled, I've met wonderful people, I've been to overseas AA conventions which they hold in huge um, football stadiums, you know, 80,000, 100,000 people. It's been so exciting. Um, and I I have loved every minute of it. And I'm no different from any other person. Bad things have happened in my life. People that I've loved dearly have died and I've had to grow up and learn how to handle it. And I don't do it very well, but I do it to the best of my ability. I usually just snivel and snot my way through it. Um, And I was a snivelling little snot when I got here. And I don't, I'm not like that now anyway. I, I always wanted to put my foot in and do people harm. Um because they were going to do it to me anyway. And I'd rather do anybody and everybody good now. I'd rather help people, and I do. And um, I love life, I love people, I've, I love people dearly, and I trust them. And I have had wonderful, wonderful friendships in this group, and I know that... If I drank again, they would all disappear overnight, I'm sure of it, because I'd drive them away. (laughs) And uh, I don't want to be like that. I want to be... On my bucket list is to die sober (laughs) and um, be a nice person for the rest of my life. And um, I'm hopeful that that will happen, but it's only happened because of the compassion the kindness, the gentleness, the helpfulness and the love and and all the help I've had from people in AA and the program of AA. So I, I remain very grateful. I ask God on a daily basis to direct my thinking and I thank God every night for the day I've had and... Um, that seems to help me a great deal. Yeah, thank you for asking me to share. Thanks, Jackie. <coughs> this is uh, Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM. 
and Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air in, in the studio today and we've got the Plimpton Third Step Breakfast meeting and it's been a lot of good sharing and um, I just thought I'd give another plug for our website as well. So that's aa.org.nz and the phone number to call AA is 0800 And the quickest way to find an AA meeting is on the website, aa.org.nz. Hover over AA meetings and click on open closed meetings. It's for live meetings in person where you can go into a building and sit down on a chair and surround yourself with other alcoholics who are getting sober or trying to get sober. And also from the AA meetings part of the website, there's also online meetings as well. So there's meetings on on Zoom and also on-air meetings, which are these meetings, uh, pre-recorded uh, samples or f- you know, full 45-minute long meetings uh, of these broadcasts. So that's on aa.org.nz, AA meetings and then on-air meetings. Excellent. All right, well, we've got a few minutes left, so I'll have a bit of a share now as well. So I'm Dan. I'm an alcoholic. And, yeah, very grateful to, to be here. And, and uh, it's, you know, it is, it is really it's good to be sober, you know. And I, I didn't, I, like, I never wanted to be an alcoholic. I never wanted to sign up for this. And I never wanted to, to come to AA meetings. And, you know, like, that was never part of my... Uh, master plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I realised pretty pretty early on, once I started drinking and got hold of it, that I, like I enjoyed it a lot. And <laughs> it seems to me that like someone like me gets ten thousand times the amount of enjoyment out of an alcoholic drink than other people. And for, you know, and like, I can never understand why no one else wanted to just go hell for leather like me. And what what happened was, so that was fine, apart from what happened when I drank. And I I always thought I was the same when I when I drank, but I wasn't. And <laughs> I I did yeah I did terrible things and you know tragic things, and upset and hurt people and and myself, and yeah I, I did embarrassing things. You know like I've got a whole litany of awful embarrassing stories you know some of which I've shared on the radio and at meetings and some of which I've just you know told other people but yeah like I lived I lived an embarrassing selfish double life effectively and I I didn't really want it like I was I was kind of happy doing when I was in it I was happy doing it which was awful until I wasn't and then and then I you know I had a, a magic moment where I got a chance to come to a meeting well I actually went I went to meetings when I was twenty, and got an, and you know wasn't interested really, and then came back when I was thirty six, and <laughs> so um and and you know since then I've been you know, coming back, and it's it's those things which I was given at the beginning, which was the time of you know, like I got a, I got a sponsor, and I started working the steps, and going to regular meetings, and praying, and meditating, and trying to help others, and I'm still doing those things, you know. To a lesser or greater extent, and I'm not perfect, and I don't always do things great, and I muck things up, and I have to apologise, and yeah. But overall, now life's life's brilliant. Like I, mean, I remember two or three years ago, just like sharing in a meeting, just getting so emotional about how good life was, <laughs> and and it was like three years ago, and life is good then. Now <laughs> three years on, it's even better. You know, it's like 
I just, you just don't know how good it's going to get. You know, really, you really don't. And you know, and for me, it's just um, you know, it's still a daily program. I've still got to remind myself every day that I'm an alcoholic, and I've got certain things to do. You know, and um, and I and I try and do them. So um, that's that's me. I'm just gonna I'm gonna um, we'll, we'll close with the um, with the promises. So this is a reading from the AA Big Book, page eighty three. And if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We'll not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We'll comprehend the word serenity and we'll know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle things in situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realise that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. That program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.